we'll have our scripture reading now and appreciate Robin sharing with us today. The first scripture reading this morning is from Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are, my, are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and your thoughts, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The second reading is from Luke 9, verse 51 to 56. As a time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into the Sumerian village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because, they, because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, he, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from the heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. Amen. Thank you, Robin. Isaiah, he was a prophet. And because he was a prophet means that God would give him a message and a message that he was to give to God's people. And when a prophet would share a message, it may not always be received well. But it was given from God, and God wanted the people to receive it, to hear it. But it was still up to them how they would respond to the message, amen? It's not much difference today, is it? You know, we read the scripture, we do a Bible study at one point in time in life, but then maybe we read a year later, or we do the Bible study a couple years later, then all of a sudden, there's all kinds of stuff coming out to us and being revealed to us. And what does that mean? It means that life happens. And God knows life is happening. He knows what's happening in your life. He knows what's happening in the life of this church. There's nothing we could hide or nothing that we could do to mask or secure it or keep him from knowing. A prophetic message that Isaiah brought before the people throughout his throughout the book of Isaiah is a message that one day that there would be a day that a Messiah would come a Messiah that would save a Messiah that would comfort a Messiah that would bless God's people do you know that Isaiah's name even means God saves. That's what his name means. God saves. And that's a good thing, right? Because we all need saving. Isaiah wouldn't, may not have been popular at the time, sharing God's message. But here we are. The message and the book of Isaiah has been written. It's over 2,000 years old since Jesus walked on earth a message that is still relevant to us today isn't it and as it says in isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9 god is straight up god is direct he reveals about he says god's saying my thoughts my ways they are what they are higher they are higher they are complete they are holy because they are of God. 
But he also reminds us that our thoughts and our ways, they are incomplete, they are shallow, and they are not holy. And that's why the Messiah must come. Because of our humanness, because of who we are, we are in a position where we need to remain in prayer. We don't always understand what's happening in the world or understand why these things are happening in our lives. We don't even understand why God does what God does or what God decides or what he decides not to do. We don't understand all these, these things, but we understand that we have this need that we need to remain in prayer. That as we go through life, from beginning to end, that prayer is important. Prayer is necessary. And God will always have a message for each and every one of us. Each and every day, there's a message that God has for us. Each and every day, there's an answer for each and every prayer. For each and every moment of whatever's happening in your life, God has a message for you. God wants to talk to you. God wants to say something to you. The answer may be a big fat no. The answer may be say slow or slow down. Hold up a moment. Take a moment. Go slow. Or the answer may be just, hey, you need to grow a little bit more. You need to grow through this life moment. You need to grow through these things. Kind of reminds me of a story about a church praying for rain, farming community, hot and dry summer, has not been enough rain. The congregation gathered again on this Sunday morning, and all the preacher could hear as they gathered was how hot it was and how dry it was, and the crops would be a loss if that rain did not come soon. The service began, and they began to sing the hymns, and they began to pray, and the pastor began the sermon and an idea came to him and he challenged the congregation, hey, why don't tomorrow, you know, Monday at noon, meet me out in the cornfield. Let's meet out in the cornfield tomorrow at noon. And sure enough, a few members of the congregation, they showed up and they met the pastor and they stood in the middle of the cornfield with the dry and drought-like conditions. And the pastor begins to ask them, he asked them, do you think God will make it rain? And they said, yes. Do you think God can make it rain? And they even said, yes. So as he stood there in silence, he looked around at each and every member standing there in the cornfield. You said that God can make it rain. You believe God will make it rain. So I just ask one more question. Where are your umbrellas? Where, are, where is the umbrella? You, you have come not expecting rain. You have come not prepared to receive the answer that you are asking for. You are not in a spiritual, even a physical position. You are not in a mindset or a heart attitude to fully anticipate the answer from God, 
for the Lord blessing and delivering you from this drought in these conditions right here in this cornfield where you are standing, you are in no spiritual or physical position to receive what you're asking for. If you are not physically and spiritually ready, can we expect God to really give an answer? If we're standing out in no man's land, we're in some desert, whatever it might be, not be the drought of rain and in a cornfield, maybe it's a drought spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever it is. Yes, we need the Lord. But are we expecting him to meet the need? Are you dried up and are you consumed by something that is not godly? Are you full of words but empty on faith and empty on trusting and empty on believing? The world is full of words. Words are cheap and cheaper by the dozen. Amen. But faith, faith as small as a mustard seed, Scripture tells us, is powerful and is ready with anticipation for God to answer, for God to do something, for something godly to happen. No wonder there is so much frustration and disappointment and confusion amongst the believers of our day. So much frustration, confusion with unanswered prayers. And it's a whole host of things. Oh, my husband and I, we've been praying for the cycle of addiction to be broken. Oh, but the drugs are so good. The drinking stops for a while, but then there's the drunken moments and the wild nights. I've been praying for a new job, but at 59 years of age, no one's going to give me a chance. I've been praying for my family's destructive tendencies, and no one changes. All we need is a bigger house, or happiness would come if we could just get that ultimate vacation. Oh, if we could just get more stuff for the kids, they would feel better about themselves. And what is this? It's wrong. And it's more wrong, and it's not what Scripture tells us. Pastor Bill Hybels, he's the one who preached and teach and taught about this, know, slow, and grow, in one of his messages and sermon series. And I quote, and I'll share how he said this, and I quote, The prayer request, if it is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong, catch that, if you are wrong, not your spouse, not your children, not your parents, not your Sunday school teacher or anyone else, not the school teacher, but if you are wrong, God says grow, end quote. But on the flip side, if the prayer request is right, if the time is right, and if you're right where you need to be with the Lord, there's going to be a yes. There's going to be a full speed ahead. Go for it. You got this. I'll take care of it. But we don't always find ourselves in that position, do we? 
as we think about the gospel reading there in Luke chapter 9. It's been kind of funny this week. I did a little misprint on Monday when I send out my bulletin information and I send it to the people doing the music. I send it to the church office and I send it to the lay leader. And all of a sudden I'm getting this message. Hey, in Luke chapter 10, there's no verses 51 and 56. You know, so I'm looking, trying to find Luke chapter 10, and they're right. There's no verses. So then I look at chapter 11, and that's not what I want. Chapter 12, no. It's like, well, let me look back at chapter 9. And here it is, chapter 9. So, I, you know, I, it wasn't intentional, but at least, at least they're looking, right? The office is looking, they're checking up on me. The lay leader's checking up on me because I make typos too. But in Luke chapter 9, verse 51 through 56, Jesus is traveling. Shocker. He's in ministry. Of course he's traveling. Traveling with some disciples, not a shocker because they're learning, they're growing, they're uh, trying to learn and recognize how they can be more Christ-like and what Jesus would want them to do. Where's Jesus going? He's working his way. He's working his way to Jerusalem. He's working his way to his arrest, his trial, and his crucifixion. So, of course, he has a lot on his mind, a lot on his heart, and a lot weighing heavy on him, but he's still traveling, and he's still showing love. And they're traveling through these areas where these Samaritans, you know, these Samaritans, they reject him. They don't want to hear him. They don't want to see him. They don't, want, they don't want anything to do with him. But yet Jesus still loves them. You see, Samaritans, they were Jews that went out and they married Gentiles. So the Jews and Samaritans, they weren't neighborly. They weren't friendly. They didn't have each other's back. They didn't want anything to do with each other. And everybody knew this in that day and time. James and John knew this. And even in their humanness, what did they want to do? They'd want to, they wanted to go over there and shake them up. They wanted to go over to those Samaritans and say, hey, Jesus is our friend. He's our Lord and Savior. You want to reject him? And in their humanness, I know they would just want to kick him around a little bit and maybe do what they even asked Jesus if they could do. Hey, Jesus, can we make a call into heaven? How about we call up to heaven and request some earthly fire to come raining down on these Samaritans because they're rejecting you. And we want them, we want you to be loved by everyone, Jesus, but there's, here's this, these people rejecting you, and that upsets us. You know, ain't Christians that get upset like that? You know, ain't parents that get upset when their kids don't want to be part of what they're a part of or do what they've been raised to do? Yeah, parents get upset like that. You think pastors get upset and ask, why don't you just... Burn them up, Lord. You know, like the prophets ask. And here we have James and John, disciples, even asking for fire to come down and burn them up. Let's light them up. Let's get them out of here. Let's put an end to them. Now, if you remember, James and John, they even called sons of thunder. They, they wanted to come down with the iron hand. They wanted to inflict some judgment. But Jesus, being Jesus, better than the rest of us, amen? Jesus said, come on, boys. Come on now. Don't forget why I have really come. Why have I come? 
And Jesus says in verse 56, For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Verse 56, Jesus' words, For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. So James and John, they made the request, and Jesus said no. He said no. So should we, should we be surprised when Jesus says no to us sometimes? Should we be surprised when we make requests and the answer is no? Self-serving, materialistic, short-sightedness, immature, the list goes on. Things that lead to an answer that is no. But yet, there's still a blessing. The blessing remains, like Jesus, he continued to love the Samaritans. Just as he continues to love you and me. Jesus loves us too much to say yes to inappropriate request. You know, we know parents who have allowed some things in their lives of their children to go on too long. Too much catering, too much of this and that. And what happens? The children are remembered by everyone, aren't they? And what are they remembered for? How rotten, spoiled, and bratty they are. Let me remind you that God is not, and God will not, raise rotten, spoiled, bratty Christians. Period and amen. That's not the type of God he is. He loves us too much for that. He doesn't want that of us, of his church, in his church, or to be the church. That's not Christ-like. So he's going to tell us no once in a while. And he knows we're going to kick and scream. We're going to get mad. We're going to get upset. We're going to pout. We may storm off, and we may talk to a lot of other people and all these things. But let us know that as we approach God with our prayers, even though those times that we get that answer, no, God's still listening, amen? Sometimes we, know, we, need, we need that no from God. Our kids need a no to us to know that we've heard them, that we care that much about them. We love them so much that we have to say no. Doesn't make it easy. Doesn't make it go smooth. But sometimes that no is the best thing that could be told to us. We must be ready for the no, the slow, or the grow. Next week, I want to talk about the slow and the grow and share with you scripture and passage and insight in that way. But also, I encourage you to continue to be receptive, to receptive to God's answers, God's direction, God's leading, God's work in your life. Be tuned in to the nose, the slow, and the grow. Let us pray.
Father God, I lift up each and every one that is gathered here today. I lift up their prayer life. And whatever that looks like for them, Lord, I don't know, but you know and they know as well. I encourage them to continue in that prayer life and continue to allow you to guide and direct them. That they would be continuously receptive to your answers. And that they would not stop or give up or think that their prayers are unheard. So, Father God, I pray that you would help each and every one of us grow further in our maturity to being the Christians and Christ-like that we need to be, that you desire of us. So I pray for your church, Lord. I pray for those who've gathered and listened today. I pray for those that will be listening in the future at some other time. I pray for those that will be able to join us at the next appointed time. Lord Jesus, as we continue in our spiritual walk, we continue to grow close, closer to you. So help us, Lord. Help us in this prayer that we need to be praying, that we become one with you so that we can allow your will to be done according to your plan, according to eternity's plan, for that you have set in the heart of each man, woman, and child. So Lord Jesus, continue the holy and mighty work and we will give you the glory and praise now and forever. Amen.